Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Look, I know it's the first podcast of the week. You're very welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. But is everybody okay with just kicking off the All-Ireland build-up right now? Murph, Ken, you okay with that? Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, it's all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You're okay with it? Yeah. You don't seem totally enthusiastic, but well, I'm going to win you over, Ken. Yeah. The Dublin Mayo matches last year were a lot of fun. And I just don't think we should waste precious podcasting minutes ignoring the opportunity to start considering what's going to happen next Sunday. And in the inevitable replay a couple of weeks later. No, I don't think there's going to be a replay this time around. You don't? No. Are you making a bold Murph prediction early on? Well, you may have to win. Yeah, it's not that bold. You've been making it all year. There's really no value in you going against that now. Well, no. I mean, I've... Even were Dublin to win, are you going to get much kudos for predicting would. Some people would, you know, bring people's attention to the fact that in May I did predict Goldberg to win the hurling and Mayo to win the football. But, I mean, there's no point in me saying that now. I should say that next Monday. Maybe I should... Maybe there's probably more value in it me saying it now rather than next Monday because there is a chance there is a chance I suppose that Mayo don't win this game I mean there's a chance I wasn't convinced by your rationale Murph when you first said and wrote that Mayo were going to win it remind me largely predicated upon the idea that they can't possibly be the victims of misfortune such as two own goals in a final or make some crazy selection decision again Mm. and on that basis and on the do you believe that they haven't got any worse? Then I think they're gonna they're gonna do it. Do you believe in magic, Odin? Yeah, okay. that was basically the rationale behind my. Well, you're uh, close. You're so close. You can practically touch it. Yeah. To kick things off today, we're gonna bring Keen O'Neill into the fray. We had the Gildare manager in studio for a lengthy chat earlier this year before his team ended up playing Dublin in the Leinster final. That nine point defeat was Ken, believe it or not, the closest anyone has come to taking your beloved Dubs out of the championship this year. Nine points, mm. which is pretty. Remarkable when you think about it. So I'll be interested to know what sort of a mindset a manager takes into these matches. Where are the little wrinkles in the Dublin setup? Well, I'm I'm just interested to know what kind of mindset lies behind Kieran's prediction of Mayo. I mean, is there any basis for that judgment? Or you just think they're due one, do you? You probably, <laughs> you probably you probably just think they're due one. Dublin are undercooked, Ked. Undercooked. They haven't had a game all year. I mean, it's actually unfair to ask Dublin 
to come in under these conditions. And so they haven't, because nobody has... They're, they're set up for a fall, is what I'm saying. I just hope Mayo take pity on them and end it as cleanly. But, you know, they're two-time champions. You should treat Dublin with respect. You know, respect right up until the final whistle. Yeah. And then celebrate. Of course, Jeremy Connolly is free as a bird. That's a big, strong blue bird. He's going to rain down death and destruction. Uh, well, I mean, it's great. You know, we've we've got through the summer handcuffed as we were by the uh, the GAA. The listeners should machinery. know that, that Ken is doing the Jose Mourinho handcuff gesture. Yeah, as, as he's talking about Jeremy Connolly. But you couldn't keep him uh, locked up for the whole season. He's got out just in time to uh, do some serious damage. So maybe Mayo aren't as good as they've ever been this year says Kieran Murphy in the Irish Times in May 2017. But maybe all they need to be is good enough this time around to take advantage of an opponent who can't catch a break. They have six games to win through the front door this year, and they could be against Sligo, Galway, Roscommon. <laughs> Things change slightly. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're uh, playing all of those teams. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, with a few other games in Yeah, between. not always, yeah, and not always in the front door. A quarter-finalist through the back door, Kerry in Dublin. Five of those six games could well be against Division One teams from either this year or next year, or both. But they're still here, they haven't changed, and they might not have to. So there you go. Well, that's Murph's logic. Some, from some of the year. Uh, I'm glad some of us remembered. There was a great deal of, uh, do you believe in magic as well, on yeah. top of that, Owen, but there you go. Murph, remind us what happened that day when Keane O'Neill's Kildare played Dublin. Whoa, it's, well, the game started in a welter of excitement. Uh, Kildare looked like they were, in for, they were going to be in for one or perhaps maybe two early goals. Uh, but it was actually Dublin who got the two early goals from Dean Rock and James McCarthy. Uh, the first after the, in the 10th minute, the second in the 11th minute. And uh, that that killed the enthusiasm somewhat. But actually Kildare scored 117, uh, put it up to Dublin in a load of different ways and were still, you know, 12 points back with a couple of minutes to go. And it was the Kildare, Kildare's goal came in the last few minutes. So wasn't Conor Callan kicking points or fun that day? That was one of his breakout twelve points moments. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dean Rock got a black card after uh, twenty three minutes or something. So he had six from play and six frees, mm. which is pretty good going. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty spectacular going from uh, Conor Callan. He's pushed on from there, but uh, at the same time, Kildare ha- did probably ask them more questions in that game than we've seen from anyone else so far this year. Uh, and there was also, what I liked about the Kildare performance was the fact that they went at Dublin and tried to hurt Dublin as opposed to invite Dublin onto them. Basically, if you concede either the ball or ha- half of the field to Dublin, you're going to get crucified. Yeah. That's what happens. So Kildare did a couple of things that we thought were pretty interesting against the Dubs. So, so we'll talk to Keane about, about it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yesterday, Croke Park, Cork won the All-Ireland Camogie Championship in the most dramatic circumstances possible. Six minutes of injury times. Injury times of injury time went up on the board. The clock had gone a few seconds beyond that when their sub, Julia White, scored the winning point. The referee still found a little more time again from somewhere to give Kilkenny a chance to equalise, but they couldn't find a way back. And Cork now overtake Dublin. They've got a record 27 All-Ireland Camogie titles. Kleena Foley was there for the Irish Independent. We're going to talk to her a little bit later on. Hey, you there. No, not you, you World Service member. We love you. I'm talking about the non-World Service member there, sneakily listening in behind you. Not only do you spit on independent member-led journalism for just five euro a month plus VAT. These, these pitches are becoming more aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it's an aggressive tone I'm taking. Quite violent, actually. Yeah, I mean, we've had the World Service go for months now. So you also missed out on Ken's analysis of Ireland-Serbia last week, which included this final positive thought. 
I think that that with such an ineffable process, all we can really do is apply the only thing we've seen in Irish sport that works over the last couple of years, which is the law of attraction. We need to visualize John Delaney standing next to Vladimir Vladimir Putin at the World Cup opening game in Moscow. The two of them standing there together. Just fixate on that image, visualize it, and together with collective belief, maybe we can bring that into being. Yeah, there you go. Made a right bollocks of uh, Vladimirovich, didn't I? Sorry I about it. that. No, it was nice. It's and an easy word to say. you missed our new Most Hungover Contributor Award winner. Uh, not yet, no, but I'm not too far off. The voice is sounding a little weak there, John. <laughs> Can you play that again? Uh, not yet, no, but I'm not too far The voice is sounding a little weak there, John. Congrats there to All-Ireland winner Johnny Glynn from Galway. You want to hear it again, Ken, just to be sure? I just wasn't sure what I'd heard. Probably it was, yeah. This week, US Murph, more, more, more countdown to the All-Ireland Football Final. Champions League dedicated football show and the new players' chair all coming up in the next few days. So go to secondcaptains.com, become a member, get your second captain's badge, get listening, and I'll stop annoying you about it. That sounds like a fair deal to me. How to beat Dublin this team is a question that everybody in the GA world will be mulling over for the next few days. We wanted to chat to someone who's already given it a lot of thought this year. Keen O'Neill, good to chat to you again. Hi, lads. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, we're excited already about next weekend. I think your Kildare team played Dublin in the Leinster final. Obviously, that was on July 16th. I think it was in the middle of July, certainly... What were you looking at you, in, in terms of how, essentially what vulnerabilities, what weaknesses they might have that you could exploit? Well, I, th- I think the first thing to say about Dublin, and it's, you know, everyone knows that at this stage is they're, they're such a, a quality team with huge experience, both in the, the players um, on the starting 15, their squad, but also their management. You know, there's very little, uh, very few types of games or game plans or strategies that they won't have come up against in the last number of years and, and ultimately that they wouldn't have succeeded against, you know. Um, what we felt, you know, we would do and what we didn't want to do in comparison to last year is we wanted to play the same type of football that had um, saw us progress quite well through Division 2 and ultimately get us promoted, you know. Um, we felt we had the players, we felt we had a game plan that could be competitive against them and, you know, we didn't try and change that and uh, what I mean by that is we didn't go ultra-defensive, you know, when we didn't have the ball, we tried to defend as a team when we did have the ball, we tried to uh, to attack as a team and by doing that we always kept, you know, as many forwards up as possible, always four and, you know, when we had the ball we tried to counter-attack with our six forwards and you know, ultimately what that meant for Dublin is that they didn't have the opportunity to to play Aquino Sullivan, for example, uh, in a sweeper role, you know, and listen, we, we, we caused them some problems, we, we asked them some questions, there's no doubt about that, ultimately they were far better than us in the day and, and, and they got the result that they deserved, but, but I definitely think playing that type of game means that they don't have the luxury of um, of having extra men at the back and then breaking at, at such speed um, with the spare man, and you know, I, I think that is the way forward against Dublin, because as you saw against Tyrone in the semi-final um, they've, they've become so adept at, at breaking down that type of play particularly with men and bodies coming at speed from defence that I think that's the only way you can challenge them whether it's enough to beat them who knows but I definitely think it's the only way you can really challenge them Yeah and that that, that boldness that you talk about there is something that Mayo in fairness have we've seen from Mayo in the past we saw it in both games last year and we shouldn't expect Mayo to, to take a step back either on Sunday I wouldn't have thought no, definitely not. And the thing about this Mayo team, similar to Dublin, is that this group of players, 
they have been on the road literally as, as a group, you know, with some changes here and there since 2011. So, I mean, they have a lot of experience as well in many, many big matches, Connacht finals, All-Ireland semi-finals, All-Ireland finals. So they've learned and they've developed, they've matured as well. They're into their third management team as a group. Um, and, you know, this management team are doing a really good job with Stephen and his, his management team in backroom. So they'll have a, put a lot of thought into this as well. But I think ultimately, for me, it always comes back to the players. And as I said, um, they're an exceptional bunch, this Mayo group. And they'll, they'll be going for the juggler, just as they did last year. And, and really were so close, you know, in both matches, you know, the draw match and the replay. So why would they do anything different except uh, just try and improve by 10, 20 percent across the board, you know? Keen, do Dublin surprise you or did they surprise you with anything that they brought tactically or are they just very good at doing the things that you know are coming but can't really do anything to prevent? Yeah, no, to be fair, I don't think they did anything different, um, anything that we wouldn't have expected. Um, but ultimately, what they do do, they do very, very well. And, and that's not just the starting 15. You see the impact that they make every single match off the bench as well. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The guys coming in don't just map or match what's going on on the pitch to bring it to a new level. Um, I think what caused us badly that day was there was just there was some unfortunate individual errors with those two goals that were scored across the two-minute period that really altered the face of, of how the match was going up to that point, you know. Um, and you know you could see you could see what they're trying to do, particularly with the first goal, where they were they were trying to draw our full back line out that small bit of leak space behind, and ultimately give a ball over the top. Um, that, that that's that's very that's very basic, and it sounds very basic. But um, as long as someone sits and minds the house, you know that option isn't on. We just got sucked out a small bit that day. Didn't track runners, um, so you might class that as something different that they were trying to do, or it might have just happened organically. You know who knows? But um, I think the key thing that they do try to do, no matter what team they're playing against, is is use great level of space, of width, of depth. Try to create pockets and holes, you know, in between the defensive players there, and and expose those with with huge space and speed and and penetration effectively and they've done that to great effect to be fair to them you know uh, I was talking to Westmead player uh, Kieran Martin over the weekend and he reckons mm. Dublin have gotten five or six points better than last year would you agree with that? I suppose statistically they have if, if you look at the results you know if you're if you're looking across the board at, at the matches they've won right up to the semi-final which is which is quite a powerful victory you know in uh, in an All-Ireland semi-final so they have statistically but I, I don't think you can compare you know seasons like that I, I don't think you can because that's to say that every team is the same in one season as they were the season before the season after which is not the case you know um, it's like saying is the is, is the Kerry team now as good as the Kerry team of the 70s or more importantly the Dublin team now I don't think you can compare like that I do think you know they're, they're as good as they were they certainly haven't dropped you know earlier on in the year especially after the league final people were saying God is this Dublin kind of uh, has it reached its mm. you know it's, it's high point and on the way down I think they've certainly proven that they uh, haven't yeah that, that theory um, aged well alright yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think if you look at the way that Jim has managed the season this year, how he managed the group during the league, that break they took after the league, I thought it was incredibly smart and it made a lot of sense because these guys have been on the road a long, long time, no more than the Mayo team. Uh, but they've been winning these All-Ireland finals. So I, I thought it was a really good move. And inevitably, it meant there was probably going to be an element of a slow burn in the early stages of Leinster where they're starting to peak thereafter. And I think they've shown that. I mean, from the Leinster final on, they've you know they've been unparalleled in terms of the type of football they're playing. You know, 
Uh, if there is a weakness, uh, and if there is a weakness, is it the full back line? I mean, you got a couple of er- very early chances inside the first kind of three or four minutes, indeed, uh, by by kind of l- uh, luring high ball in there. And kind of with that in mind, there's the Aidan O'Shea question as well. I mean, can a man play full back and full forward in consecutive games in a, a All-Ireland semi-final and final stage? Yeah, well, 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 he can. Aiden can. Aiden can. I don't think they will play that way personally, simply because I think the way their forward uh, unit are motoring at the moment, particularly inside, you know, like Andy in particular has been phenomenal. Jason Doherty is such an underrated player. He's doing some really good work. And Killeen is always there, you know, leading from the front, working so hard on the ball, off the ball. You know, I, I don't think they'll want to clutter that space too much, but... I think if you're going to play against Dublin, you can't just ask them one question. You know, I don't think you can ask them just one question. Be that a long ball, be that a blanket defence, and try and catch them with a you know with a fast-paced counter attack. I think you constantly have to adapt your game within the game, if that makes sense. Um, so in one attack, you might be trying to play that run of game, and another, you might be patient. You know, trying to open up pockets of space, the more than they do themselves. Um, I, I don't think there's any one simple solution. Um, for example, early on, we ran at them quite a bit. We caused an awful lot of problems to their full back line. Um, so we did early on in the match, you know, particularly the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and yet later on, you know, the goal came from a, from a long diagonal ball in and we got another score from that ball, if that makes sense. Um, you know, we were just trying to change it, trying to vary it and playing the game as we saw it, you know. Um, I think the one thing is, occupy their defenders you know if, if you occupy their defenders you know you're giving yourself a chance because you're asking questions of every one of the six back there whereas if you are leaving one or two of them free which they're so used to at this stage you're really not asking questions of them you're asking questions of yourself as to how we're going to break this down does that make sense yeah, yeah it does yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and you can see i mean players and a player like Hino Sullivan loves the role that he's in at the moment and he's perfected it pretty much. He's not far off being the perfect sweeper. So you, you, do, have to kind of, you do have to do something to knock these guys off yeah, the stride a little bit. and that's bit. exactly what Mayo did. I mean, I think that's actually about as perfect a wording of what Mayo did last year as you can get. They knocked Dublin out of their stride and I think that's what we're mm-hmm. going to have to see on Sunday if, if they're going to have any chance. Yeah, absolutely. And you've even a level of adaptability with Dublin this year where Keane has actually played several matches in the full back line um, simply because like even against us he was in there for a period because some of their uh, defenders were struggling you know with some of our guys particularly Daniel Daniel Flynn you know so I, I, th- I think when you force them into doing something that they haven't been doing you know as often you know as they may have been doing for example playing against the blanket defence you know, I, I think they're not as comfortable in that regard, you know, and I, I certainly think when you when you run at them and put them on the back foot, that's when, not just Dublin, that's when any team, you know, is at their most vulnerable because, um, you know, the more organised you are, the more structured you are, the more you're comfortable in that setup. But the more you're moving, changing direction, looking left, looking right to see where your man is, where your teammates are, that's when teams are at their most vulnerable. And, you know, it, it sounds easy to do. And in basketball, it happens all the time because it's a small court with a small surface area with 10 bodies. Um, in, in Gaelic football, it's not as easy without, you know, leaving yourself vulnerable at the back. But ultimately, I think it's it's that type of game that will challenge Dublin, uh, Dublin most. Many teams have tried it in the last number of years and they're still coming out on top. But for me, it's the only way to put the challenge to them. You know, we tried it for large periods. Um, we, we were successful for large periods. Like after those two goals, there was very little between the teams for the rest of the match. Um, but they were still always that step ahead of us, you know. But we, I think we did ask a few questions of them. Okay, we're going to be talking a lot about this game during the week. Keen, thanks very much for kicking it off for us on Monday. I uh, hope you're well. Thank you. Cheers, fellas. Take care.
He's stealing yards. He's stealing yards. He needs to get back. Get back. Who's going to be the man? See the one person. that was there for the actual scores that they got that game had everything that you want to see except a Mayo win it's interesting to think about it the way Keane phrases it there that the the blanket defence is what Dublin are used to now yeah so it's just I suppose it's another way of saying that, that the surprise of that tactic is gone which is what we know but to play six forwards up what was previously seen as traditional and maybe even a little bit outdated there might be scorn heaped upon a manager for doing that about a year or two ago it's now back in fashion and it's not just Keane O'Sullivan who you have to put pressure on you have to make the rest of them defend defenders in 2017 a lot of them don't really they will defend they'll do it because they have to they're they're just not used to it it's part of the job but they Philly McMahon was hilarious in how much he looked like he enjoyed the All-Ireland semi-final just running around midfield playmaking having the time of his life out there. And if we see that again against Mayo in the final, then that's a very bad sign. If Keno Sullivan is up around, uh, sorry, if uh, Philip McMahon is up around midfield pinging balls about for fun, it's it's generally not good. In fact, the end of Cullum Cooper's career in some ways was precipitated by him supposedly having to chase mm. Philip McMahon all over Croke Park in that All-Ireland final. So th- that's not the way you beat Dublin. I think it's I think we're getting cl- a clearer, clearer picture on that. You might not beat them 15 on 15 either, six on six matchups, but you've certainly got a better shot. Yeah, uh, and we'll get into this uh, on Wednesday's show with Oshin uh, and Mike Quirk. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually think that Aidan O'Shea will end up playing centre forward, but perhaps being the other side of the Mayo midfielders, being behind the Mayo midfielders as opposed to in front of. And other than that, it's going to be man-on-man pretty much everywhere. So if Keno Sullivan wants to play a sweeper, Aidan O'Shea might engage with him part of the time, but will spend a lot of his time behind the midfield. I'd be interested to hear what Oshina and Mike think. But that, that, that would be how I would line up against uh, Dublin. But certainly no fewer than five forwards, because otherwise you're just not going to score enough. Dublin, yeah. are, going, Dublin are more than likely going to get 15, 16 points, so... You're gonna have you're gonna have to invent some way to get more than that. All out attack, Ken. If you were Stephen Rochford, Mayo manager this week, 
Why not play with nine forwards? Why not? I would, I would do well, might, I would, as, well. might I would, as well die with your bits on. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> he is the one that manager. That would rank in, in the top three daftest things Stephen Rushford has done in the last yeah. few, uh, in the last 12 months. So I just hope they give it a go. You know, oh, don't worry. Too many, too many times, you know, um, the people of Dublin have turned up at Croke Park and walked away feeling unsatisfied. <laughs> With the championship, sure, but it, but feeling that's another that's been another very poor championship, you know. Oh God, we've got a week of this. Well, yeah, you'd like you like to feel as though you've you've won something, you know. The the, the famous the Vince Lombardi quote about um, <clears throat> a man who you know lying exhausted on the field of battle, mm. victorious. You know, there's no greater feeling, exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. Now, victorious, you might think is a, is a big part of that, but. When you haven't even broken a sweat, it's hard. It's it's just kind of it's anticlimactic. Sure, yeah. They so would have broken a bit of a sweat for. in the, yeah. the uh, two games last year. The, the I'm Steve hoping. Parrish of well, that was just, uh, football analysis. That was just rain. Again. That was just rain, wasn't it? It was a very rainy one of those times, mm. and uh, everybody looked as though they were sweating, but it was actually just they were they were drenched. Um, <laughs> I that's what I'm hoping for. Just the game. That's all we want here. That's all we want in this city. A game. Well, the Cork Mogi team certainly got a game yesterday in the All-Ireland Final, which they came through by winning a record 27th title against a Kilkenny team that had denied them three in a row last year. Cleena Foley was reporting on it for the Irish Independent and is with us now. Thanks for making it in, Cleena. You're very welcome. You started your piece by making the point that it may not have been one for the purists, the, as in the match in general, but the climax was so sensational that you could forgive anything that preceded it. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad for a long time. The weather was terrible. Like they, they Literally, as they were meeting Michael D, a complete shower came down. It was cold, you know, it was just not normal weather, really, for that time of year, mm. um, which didn't help. But also, the way it's gone tactically now, um, the women's game, I think, unfortunately, is suffering with the whole sweeper system, and it means that it gets very converged in the middle of the field. So 10-9 was the final score. Nobody ever had a sniff of a goal, not even looked like scoring a goal. So um, the game itself wasn't great, but the last 10 minutes were sensational. The, the sometimes you can forgive everything for that, can't you? You really can. Yeah, the weather was funny because I was watching it here in the office, which is on Baggett Street, not exactly a million miles away from Croke Park, and it was fine outside the window here. And then I'm looking at TV going... Yeah, pouring just down. Getting, getting poured and they got on. a few yeah. showers at different stages of it as well. Yeah, so which is re- really awkward because you're just trying to get your feet yeah. and then suddenly that's happening again. But as you said, we might as well focus on the the madness at the end but they needed the equaliser first and it was Gemma O'Connor who stepped Gemma up O'Connor, which, that which, which in itself was sensational because she did her medial knee ligament uh, in the semi-final and Cork had been playing silly buggers for the last three weeks over she wasn't, definitely wasn't playing oh no apparently she did an interview with somebody in the Echo in Cork and said it was my, that was my last game for Cork and then suddenly you look down and here she is warming up but the rumours it was very like the Henry Shefflin remember when he did the cruise it was yeah. exactly like that beforehand everybody was buzzing like is she in is she out what's going on all the rest so um, when she came out in the warm-up then and she had her leg heavily taped, <clears throat> which she thought, OK, and apparently she took holidays. She had holidays booked anyway, but she spent the last three weeks, very like Shefflin did that time, constantly rehabbing, seeing a physio two times a day and actually started. And the question was, OK, she started. How long will she last? She lasted the whole game. She played well. Now, Ashling Thompson helps because she drops very deep, really, and covers her as well now. Um, but uh, I think it was the 60th, 60th minute they won a free 65 metres out. And in those conditions, you know, you thought, well, it's a bit of a Hail Mary or whatever. And when she put it over, I said it was like, holy Jesus, how did she do that? So she levels the game. She's the hero, the 32-year-old that wasn't going to play, comes in. You know, you couldn't have had a more amazing narrative and she levels the game. And then they announce six minutes at a time. Yeah. 
It seemed to suit the management, though, the Cork management, that this injury was there. Yeah, there was, was even more messing around than usual. I was watching on TV and there were, there were different lineups no, given. They gave RT the wrong team before, yeah. even beforehand. Right. So the <laughs> second guessing was still supposed to oh, be going yeah. on. Yeah, I do recall um, uh, working on a qualifier. F- uh, it was No, not a qualifier. A quarterfinal between Kerry and Limerick in uh, the men's football in 2011 or something. And Limerick had named a team and then named another team and there were three changes to the team that was named 45 minutes before the game between the parade and the start of the game. And I just don't see the point of it. I, oh. like, I didn't see the point of it there yesterday, is one, fun, there, funnily enough. Because Kilkenny didn't fall Kilkenny, for it I, I was down Kilkenny last week and they, they were like, oh, she'll play, go on, we know she'll play. You know, So they had planned for her to play, yeah. basically. They kind of knew she was playing. The only time I've ever seen it work... Um, to an intelligent rate or for an intelligent reason is is Lachnan's famous one where he sent Shawnee Mack out with the wrong leg bandage. So his, yeah. we'll say it was his night, right knee that was bandaged. He sent him out in a match with his left knee bandaged so that they'd attack the wrong knee, which was genius. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's as good, only like the that. evil genius Lachnan can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I don't understand this stuff. I mean, why they do it? And as I said, they actually they actually gave the wrong team to RT beforehand and they were pretty upset about that as well. But anyway, look, she started and as I said, I mean, it was, it was almost must face that she would play such an important part in it and, and get the equaliser but then as I said six minutes at a time she, uh, Gemma O'Connor been sent off last year she was sent off in the All-Ireland final and she had been player of the year the year before and played in the All-Ireland the year before brilliantly when her mother was, was terminally ill and it was a very tough emotional year for her she won player of the year and her mother died subsequently and I think last year being sent off in the All-Ireland final was a really really traumatic experience for her and a lot of people had said to me if she can be in the All-Ireland final this year on one leg and do anything she can to help Cork, she will. And there was obviously that sense about the Cork team in general because there's no better motivation than having been beaten by that team last year. So Cork were going for three in a row. Kilkenny stopped them. Kilkenny beat them in the league again this year. Yeah, there slaughtered f- them in the league final really this year. Made an idiot of them down in Limerick yeah, yeah, before the, the men's uh, league final. And there were a few... Uh, th- there have been a couple of incidents between the teams, a bit of pushing and mani- shoving last mani- year. And the managements don't exactly love each other. Yeah, so there is, there is a little bit of that, <laughs> oh, that, that classic sort of... Th- these guys there. just straight up don't like each other. Uh, yeah, cl- there's uh, a real niggle there. Actually, after the league final this year... Um, uh, I think uh, I didn't see it but I think um, Anne Downey the Kilkenny manager criticised Cork for warming up while they were being presented with their trophy like there is a real needle between these two but what really hurt Cork last year I mean was that as I say themselves they were so uncork like they went they didn't they, they, they died too easily and that really hit them I think and they really wanted to come back and they did several things this year including obviously making Rena Buckley captain and she gave up football this year. She's this tremendous dual player with incredible history to her. But she, she quit playing football this year just to concentrate and captain this team. And also she has done what great players do, I think, in a lot of, a lot of teams is they sacrifice their own game or they're willing to be put in. So she's now playing full back where she would have started out as a half back or a midfielder, even half forward, she's played, she told me. But she's been full back this year. So she had taken on this role. And I think there were all that sort of stuff building. But genuinely, when I saw them in the league final against Kilkenny I just thought now uh, Orla Cotter was injured that day and came off the bench and made a difference when she came in but I thought Kilkenny were so much better than them in the league final I couldn't see how they'd make up ground they're a team that always get better you know Cork even in women's football they're a bit like um, a bit like the dubs I suppose at the moment in terms of they tend to know when to peak and they tend to peak later in the season you know so there was always that question but 
I thought I thought if Gemma O'Connor doesn't play, they'll definitely lose. And if she does play, we don't know how long she's going to play for. So these were all the imponderables that were there beforehand. And as I said, you get then six minutes extra time. The game is suddenly on a knife edge. Suddenly Kilkenny are playing well. Um, they played really badly in the first half. It was it was five two at half time, um, and then they have to come back and see you know what's going to happen now. And then of course it's one of those fantastic finishes. Clean one storyline out of this game that we touched on that you touched on earlier there was Rena Buckley her 18th All-Ireland between the two sports the first player of either gender to captain her country to All-Ireland seniors in two different codes two different codes yeah although there's, staggering, really. there's oh, already there's a question dispute. mark about oh, that there's always there somebody there's always, you like yeah, that lads there's a dispute on. yeah a woman called Mary Ganey who I have been struggling to try I'm trying to contact her and I haven't got her yet Apparently, she's from Kerry. She captained Cork to an All-Ireland Camogie victory in 82. And she subsequently may have captained Kerry to a football right. All-Ireland. Yeah. And she also played international hockey for Ireland. So she okay. sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but she obviously, she didn't do it for the same county. Yeah. And it has to be verified. I, I mean, it still has to be verified. But somebody... I think fair is fair, Rena. I think fair is fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rena, it was, uh, I was laughing. Um, Mick Moynihan in the Cork Examiner today said, really, the only thing left for her to do is take over as police commissioner. Cause yeah. <laughs> Basically, there's nothing else this woman can do. She's amazing. She's a physiotherapist. Um, she is incredibly self-effacing. I mean, she hates all this fuss. Um, I was suggesting today that, you know, maybe Cork Parky Creek, they might just maim a stand after or something. 18 All-Irelands, 11 in football, 7 in camogie. Um, she's always been this understated, quiet person who just doesn't make a fuss about anything and, as I said, has captained both teams. Um, and... You could not find a more modest, you know, unassuming person. And her partner in crime was always Breach Corkery, who, you know, hasn't played this year. And they were, they are chalk and cheese. Like one of them, she's so sensible and, and Breach is so wild. Breach famously missed, you know, the bus up to the All-Ireland once and, you know, does does mad things. But, um, and I said to her a few days ago, would you normally be ruined with Breach? And she said, I would. I miss her. I miss her before. I'll oh, miss yeah. her before the All-Ireland to have that kind of buzz about me, you know. But, um. She's an incredible woman. So she she just, even in those last few minutes yesterday when 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 there was chaos around and everything was frenetic and they managed to, to pull out that winner. But even just before that, she made two vital stops mm. in defence. And that's just the sort of player she is. So even uh, given the circumstances, how you had your doubts that Cork were going to be able to really come back from the league final defeat the fact that they were beaten last year Kilkenny were probably starting to think of themselves as, as top dogs now yeah. are you putting this there have been so many All-Ireland successes for Cork Camogie and ladies football are you putting this one up there even though it wasn't a classic game as one of the better achievements yeah I think it's one they'll remember I think somebody like Rena will remember it because they won it against the odds I think definitely they weren't favourites going into it they hadn't had a great season they lost that league final so badly they 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 seem to struggle with this you know this play anyway game like uh, Kilkenny play much more like a hurling team now. Nobody holds a traditional position. They're constantly moving. They play a sweeper sometimes too. All of those things, you know... Had you you uh, referenced there actually, Kleena, the this idea that it, the sweeper is more damaging even in camogie than it is in hurling. And you might uh, explain that. I mean, I, I yeah. think it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. And I've seen it in women's football as well, where... 
women don't have the same length. They don't have the same range as men. They don't have the power to send the ball longer distances. So if you suck all the all, if you if you if you slap up mass defenses, mm. they can't hit from as far out. So their scoring drops, and also they don't tend to sometimes have that power to get through those mass mm. defenses as well. So it it has become a problem. I think like the All Ireland finals, the football finals suffered last year. As I said, this is the first final, Camogie final without a goal in in eight years. They're come the scoring is coming down it's taken a little bit from it so I think yes I think in the women's game unfortunately it is affecting kind yeah. of the aesthetics of the game or the enjoyment and in the junior final yesterday there was an, there was uh, even in the intermediate final there were fantastic goals scored but as I said yesterday I think that's one of the problems you know but uh, I mean you could say in some ways like Gemma, a player like Gemma O'Connor has almost acted as a single handed sweeper for Cork because she was so strong for years and nobody could get past her anyway you know but I do think it has a little is having a bit of effect on the game yeah and it's it, you know it's exactly what's happened in the men's game it's it's going to take a couple of years for teams to to figure it out and yeah. then it evolves again but yeah and maybe for women even to get a bit stronger that they can they can hit points from 45s yeah. and and as i said 65 Gemma did a brilliant i mean that was a free yesterday but she she got fantastic distance into it but to me it is an issue but i do think to come back to the question i do think cork will remember this one because it was against the odds and i saw people uh, that i know that work in cork local radio yesterday and they were all absolutely <laughs> they did a brilliant job orla cronin um was fantastic particularly fantastic i gave her player of the match and i see she got an rt as well and is she she pinned back Anne Dalton is normally the one they drop back a sweeper but she actually marked Anne Dalton so Anne Dalton couldn't play as that playmaker or that quarterback that she normally does for this team because Kilkenny are very they play this very very interesting team where she literally does play like a quarterback and they go to the corners all the time she couldn't do it yesterday and it had they had to change and it changed the whole way they played so in fairness Paulie Murray for all the faffing around about who was playing in that he got that tactically right and I think he beat them tactically so for the, all those reasons I think and the hurt of last year and not playing like Rena Buckley said at the end yesterday even if we'd lost I would have been happy because we played the mm. way we should be playing yeah well listen that's uh, probably no harm uh, not a bad way to go out listen clean it great stuff thanks so much you're welcome what, you, what are you saying you just a phony man this is just what happened. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look this ain't wrestling this ain't the WWE baby my belly's just a little big my heart is just a little big this is just an act that you're doing you should be an actor but brother I'll never do that. There were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other was right here. You can, you can run around like you're a preacher and all that you want, but baby, I promise you, I will baptize you. You can't teach that. There's no double on this year, Mer, for the Cork ladies teams. They were... Knocked out of the football championship. Yeah, last Saturday in a result that maybe might have passed a few people by. But Cora Staunton uh, is going for her fifth All-Ireland title uh, just the 14 years after she won her fourth. <laughs> uh, and she got the gold that inspired Mayo to uh, end Cork's reign as uh, as uh, the All-Ireland football champions. So now they we're left with another Dublin Mayo final seven days after the men's version. Uh, and either way you slice it, it's a pretty amazing story because you have on the one hand, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of talk last year that Cora Staunton had played her last game for Mayo. Uh, and it I, took I, it I thought that actually was the case. It's one of those things you hear so much about somebody yeah. potentially retiring, you, you assume that they have retired. Yeah, apparently. she was yeah, uh, prevailed upon to uh, to come back into the fold and uh, has been playing, you know, usual absolutely extraordinary levels of performance from uh, Cora Staunton. Uh, so... 
on that's on the one hand. So it would be amazing for Mayo to to win just for Cora Snowden, really. Uh, on the other hand, Dublin have lost the last three finals in a row. Uh, so, so on at least two of those occasions, uh, from winning positions against Cork, uh, where really it it seemed like that today was the that day was the day they were going to finally put to bed the whole Cork hoodoo. Mm-hmm. Now it turns out Mayo have taken Cork out on Dublin's behalf. Uh, so after three losing finals in a row, they might finally get a chance to win their all Ireland. So either way, it's 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 looking uh, like a pretty amazing backstory to whoever goes on to win the ladies football all Ireland. Thanks, Murph. I know you've got a bit of a cold developing today, so we appreciate your heroism. Ridiculous! Literally from the start of the recording of the football show to now, I've developed a full-on head cold. But on, mm. it's fine. I'm happy to do it on your behalf. Thanks, Ken. You're looking fit and healthy. Thanks, Alan. You look Thanks, great. Ken. You're, <laughs> you're you, as healthy Sarah. as a Butcher's dog. You're looking good. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in the World Service. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.